All right, so uh, turn with me back. We're going back over to Luke chapter 1, where we were last week, where we left off last week. I gave you a message last week, blameless and barren, blameless and barren. And we talked about that. And so kind of want to go back to the last verse that we summed up uh, in Luke chapter 1 with verse 57. We ended there last week, verse 57. And then we're going to jump down to a different part of the story and read verses 67 through 80, okay? So a little bit of scripture again today, like last week, but not, nothing too bad. All right, this is just a reminder here. Verse 57 says, Now the time had come. Say, the time has come. Okay, the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Now we know that she ended up having the son. His name was John, right? Which we would later know to, to be John who? John the Baptist, who would do what? Baptize. You know, all kinds of stuff. You know, he'd do all kinds of things. All right, now let's jump down into verse 67. We'll read verses 67 through 80. So then his father, Zechariah, now who's, who's he? He's John's dad, okay, so we talked about last week, all right, Zechariah. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the clutches of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege, since we have been rescued from our enemies' clutches, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. Hallelujah. And child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew up, John. The child grew up and became spiritually strong. Everybody say spiritually strong. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Wow. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word today, God. Lord, let it minister to us today. Let, us, let it teach us something today. We thank you, Father, for your word, which is life. Your word is alive. We just thank you that as we feast upon your word, as we receive your word, God, Lord, it comes to life inside of us. And it's activated. And we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. All right, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is Silent No More. Silent No More.
Now, just to kind of give you a little bit of a recap of what we talked about last week in the sense of the scriptures, we know that when the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, he told him to be quiet. The angel of the Lord told him that you're not to open your mouth and talk until he comes, right? So for all of this time, for at least the whole nine months and some, okay, Zechariah has been unable to speak. He hasn't been able to open his mouth and say anything, okay? And then we get to this scripture where we see that John has now come into the world. And Zechariah's mouth finally is opened up, okay? So let me say this before we jump into all of this this morning. But one of the things that you've got to understand today about Jesus' arrival is that it wasn't just an arrival in the earth, it was a fulfillment in the earth. When Jesus came, he didn't just come just to show up and be here and be the Savior. He came to be a fulfillment, okay? A fulfillment of what? A fulfillment of prophecy, a fulfillment of, of what the Word of God had spoken, who was to come, who is to come, what the Savior would do when He does come. So when Jesus came, He was a fulfillment of everything that had been spoken before Him. Jesus wasn't, I'll say this, a last-minute decision to try to fix things on the earth. It wasn't God saying, oh, great, now let me just come up with this idea and this solution to send a son into the earth to redeem God's people and to redeem this and do this. That's not what he was for. Jesus didn't come, as a matter of fact, to make things better. The earth was filled with prophetic promises of his coming long before he ever came. Long before God began to even speak to his people about the coming of Jesus, there was already promises that were in the earth about the coming of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'll say Jesus was in the works all the way in the Garden of Eden. He was in the works. When you really think about it, you can see how God's plan of redemption was already created and already established all the way in the Garden. Do you think for a moment that God was caught off guard and He didn't know that Adam and Eve would slip up? He didn't know. I mean, he did know, excuse me. He knew. And he already had a plan. He already had a plan for them. Ephesians 1, I'll tell you how. Ephesians 1 says that Jesus was chosen for us before the foundations of the earth even began. So God, in all of his glory, creates the heavens and the earth. And before he even creates the earth, he already has Jesus in mind. And, the, and he already is creating and forming Jesus to be the redemption of all mankind because he knows that once he creates man, somewhere down the road, whether it's in the garden or wherever, they're going to slip up. And there's going to be a need for a redeeming Savior, a redeeming grace, redemption to come into the earth to redeem mankind. So before the foundations of the earth even began, Jesus was already chosen for us, the Bible says. That's something to be grateful for. 
that God, before he even created the space that we would dwell, knew that you and I would need somebody, something, a Savior so bad. He says, you know what? I'm already thinking ahead. I'm already thinking about them. (laughs) I'm already thinking about forgiveness. I'm already thinking about love. I'm already thinking about mercy. I'm going to provide it for them. Hallelujah. So God knew exactly what was going to happen before it even did. So he formed Jesus to redeem us before there was a reason to be redeemed. Praise God. So you see, church, that goes to show you yet again that you were on the mind of God way before your existence. And guess what? You've never left his mind. You've never left his mind. You've never left his mind. Hallelujah. So back to Luke 1. Just as a reminder, there has been a 400-year gap between Malachi's prophecy and where we're at in Luke chapter 1. Okay? And these years, these 400 years, were actually known as the 400 years of silence. Okay? The 400 years of silence. Now, I don't like silence. Now, some of you like silence, and more power to you, all right? Some of you got to go away and hide and get alone and quiet where there's no noise and all that. That drives me nuts. I can't do it, okay? I don't like silence, but I know that life sometimes hands you a season of silence. Come on, has anybody ever been there before? Where life will give you a season of silence, Okay, and things will be quiet for a while. Things will seem silent for a little bit. But just in case you weren't aware and need a reminder this morning, God doesn't always respond when we want him to. So sometimes God can seem silent, but it's not that he's actually silent. It's that his response isn't when we want his response to be. Okay, so oftentimes we get into a position In a season where we think, man, God is just quiet. God don't want to talk to me. God don't want to speak. God don't want to use me right now or whatever it may be. And we think that God goes silent on us. But he never really does. And I found it hard as I was looking at this scripture and diving more into this earlier this week. I was up here. On a Tuesday or whatever, I don't know. And I was just studying here and I found it hard to wrap my mind around the fact that God would have chosen to be completely silent for 400 years. To me, that didn't make sense. I understand that it was a time of silence. But for me, I couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that God would choose in all of his grace and love and mercy to actually not say a word for 400 years. But listen, then I quickly remembered something that we've often said many times before that's still very true. God's silence is not God's absence. God's silence is not His absence. Just because we feel or we think or whatever that He is silent does not mean that he is absent away from us. It does not mean that he has dismissed himself out of our situations, out of our struggles, or whatever is going on in our lives right now. God never 
walks away from us. Now, just because he's quiet doesn't mean he's gone. Doesn't mean he's missing. Doesn't mean you have to go try to find him again. God, where are you? Okay? God, where are you? Think about what happened in the garden. God went silent. And Adam and Eve were walking around in the cool of the garden. Remember that? In the cool of the garden, wondering where God was when God was the one that found them. See, you don't have to go searching and looking. God, where are you? God, I don't hear you. God, I can't find you. When the whole time that you're doing that, God is actually tracking you down. God's actually chasing you out. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So while, listen, while you're pursuing him, guess what? He's pursuing you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So just because he's silent for a moment doesn't mean he's stopped working. He's still working. You see, church, we often mistake his silence for a lack of moving, for a lack of working in our lives. But let me encourage you this morning with this. Write this down. It's a lot to write down, but I want you to really capture this this morning because this is important. God's silence is often an indication that something bigger than you even expect is being prepared for you in heaven. I'm going to say it again. God's silence is often an indication that something bigger than you even expect is being prepared for you in heaven. So hang on, because guess what? He's working. Hang tight, because guess what? He's working. Sit still for just a moment. Don't get impatient, because guess what? He's working. He's working. Come on, somebody say, he's working. Hallelujah. Say, he's working for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, there's a few benefits or things that God is doing in the midst of a season of silence that I want to share with you this morning. So, if you're taking notes, there's three things I want to give you about God's silence. There's three things that God's silence is producing for you. So, while things are quiet... These are the three things that are happening. Number one, if you put it up on the screen, is this. The process. So God's silence is producing for you a process. There's a process that's happening. There's a process that's taking place. There's a process that's being created in the midst of those seasons of silence. Now... For Church of the City, I believe wholeheartedly, and I, I really truly believe this, that we are a prophetic house. We are a prophetic house, okay? Now, that doesn't mean we have 20 prophets in here. That's not what I mean by that. I'm not talking about the amount of prophetic voices that are here. I am saying for us as a church, we are a prophetic voice in a prophetic declaration to where he has put us. Okay? 
God will use this church as a prophetic mouthpiece, come on, for the area that we're in where he has planted us, okay? That's exactly who he's created us to be, really, from, since day one. But we are a prophetic house. But listen, church, before we can hear the next prophetic word, we have to learn how to process the last word he spoke. Now, this is very important. This is all a part of the process. So many times, God will speak things specifically prophetically to us, and then we feel like he's gone silent. So what we do in our fleshly nature, and church people are absolutely notorious for for this, we say things like, well, what's the next word? (laughs) Come on, God, what's my next word? What's the next thing? God, what is the next thing that you are speaking? Right? And we try to jump into the next word even though we haven't fully processed the last word. Just because God is silent after he gives you a word doesn't mean you start looking for the next word. It means, God, what haven't I gotten from this last word that you haven't spoken to me the next word? Okay? And so sometimes God will sit in a, in a silence in a moment of silence, in a season of silence, to let you have that word brew inside of you so that every bit of that word can be activated, but here's more importantly, can be understood. Because prophetic utterances and declarations and words are spoken over us sometimes, and we actually don't even really know what it was about. We don't understand it. Sometimes we can't even wrap our mind around it. We can't understand. We just say, oh, I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive that. Because it's something good to receive, but then we don't really understand it. And we don't allow the process of of just like our bodies when we take in food. Our, Our food don't just come in our stomach and go right back out. There's a whole process that it has to go through. There's different avenues, different organs that everything has to go through for us to digest appropriately. It's the same thing when the word is spoken over us, especially a prophetic utterance over our lives. We have got to allow the Lord to do his process of digesting the word. We can't ask what's next until we actually finish processing what was last. So hear me. Sometimes God cannot speak what's next because we haven't properly accepted what he said now. God, I need the next thing. God, what's the next thing? And he says, hold on, wait a second. Have you fully accepted what I said last to you? Have you fully digested that word? Have you come into complete understanding of it? Do you have the revelation? Do you have the knowledge? Do you have everything you need from that word that I gave you last? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, sometimes we can't hear God because we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to pause and process what he just said. And mistakenly, and many times on accident, we just do this as church people. 
I'm just being honest. Where we come in, it's like, ooh, it's Sunday morning. I'm going to receive a word from the Lord. And we receive something, and then we're like, okay, great. Put it into the bank. Now I'm looking forward to next Sunday because next Sunday I'm going to receive another word. God's like, hold on. What about what I just, (laughs) have you fully gone through that? Have you full? And then we say, well, God, why are you silent? God, why haven't you spoke? He says, I, I'm not silent. I'm waiting for you to process. Come on, somebody say process. Now, I have a hard time processing at times, okay? For example, and, and when I say that, it's mostly not paying attention, Okay? I can be like a kid in a candy store just about anywhere we go. And it has nothing to do with what's there. It has to do with people. I am so sidetracked by people, okay? And I get so distracted, and I have a hard time paying attention. Sitting at a dinner table, I'll be sitting right across from Melissa. She'll just say something. And I'm over here listening to this table. I'm watching that table. I know who's coming in and out of the door. And so she'll be like, did you hear me? What? It's not that I'm willingly not wanting to listen to what she's saying. It's that I have a hard time when there's people around and people are present. Okay, I mean, it, it, it's and it's like that absolutely anywhere. You know, we could be walking through the mall and Melissa's like, oh, did you see that? And I'm like, what? That thing that was in that store. No, I was watching that person and that person. That person spanked their child. That person, you know, that couple arguing, you know, and it's like that, that's just where I'm at. I, and, and I have a hard time with that. But for me, that's kind of the issue that I have. I can't. Can't really pay attention because people distract me. All right? Yeah, something right. But here's the thing about here's the thing about God. He refuses to give you clues about what's next until you have properly stewarded what he is saying right now. I'll say, Well, what did you say to Melissa? And she'll be like, I'm I'm not saying it again. I say, well, just say one part of it. She's not going to give me a clue to what she just said because I wasn't paying attention. But when you think about it, God does the same exact thing. God's not going to say, oh, you didn't, you. He's not going to, he's not going to give you a clue and say, well, this is, remember, this is what, you know. It's not how he works. Until you fully process, he's not going to give you a next. Hallelujah. And I'm grateful for that. Now, after the angel appeared to Mary in Luke 1, at the, at, the, at, the, at the beginning of Luke 1, the Bible says that she waited three months before going anywhere. Did you know that? When the angel of the Lord appears, she waited three months before she even left the house that she was at when the angel appeared to her. She waited there. She waited in silence. She couldn't even go tell nobody. And then Joseph, she goes and tells Joseph, and Joseph goes, well, then not mine. 
where have you been the last three months? That kind of help you understand the story a little bit? Because when Joseph is so confused and he says, there's no way, we haven't been intimate with one another, but you've been gone for three months, and now you're showing back, showing back up here to my place, and you're saying that God has given you a baby? See? But she had to sit in silence and not move for three months when the word was spoken over her because it took her three months to process that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Hello. That wasn't something that she could have gotten on a Sunday morning and been like, I'm coming right back next week to get more. No. The Savior of the world would be birthed through you, Mary? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's going to take me three months to sit here in awe of God and wonder, what the heck, why did he choose me? And I'm going to have to process that for three months. You see, church, you have got to see what the Lord is trying to say to you now before you rush into what's next. What is he saying to you now? What is the word for now? I don't care about 2025. That's next year. We still in 2023. I'm looking forward to 2024. Okay? So I'm not concerned with 2025 or anything like that because I want to fully get and process all of what God wants to do in 2024. Okay? You see, that, and that's the way that we have to be. So when does silence come? When does God put a silence on us? Or when does he go silent? Whenever God needs us to think about what he's said. He put a silence on Zechariah for the whole entire time Elizabeth was pregnant. He put a silence on him. He couldn't even say one word. Why? Because it took all of that time. God knew. It took all of that time for him to process the word. So, silence will cause you to process things. Okay? Number two is this. The preparation. The preparation. So silence is producing for you a process. But furthermore, silence is producing for you a preparation. There is a preparedness that's coming. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. So while it seemed God was silent for those 400 years... When you think about it and you go look through the 400 years of silence, you will actually find that there were some major events that happened when things were coming to pass that needed to take place. God was not physically speaking to his people. However, God's fulfillment of some promises and some things that he spoke were coming to pass during the 400 years of silence. So God was silent when it came to his voice, but he was not silent when it came to his word. Come on, you got to catch this this morning. So the things that he spoke before during the 400 years of silence were still coming to pass. They were still happening. Now, I don't have time at all to go through all of a list of things that happened, okay, during those 400 years, I don't have time to go through all of the fulfillments and all of the promises that came to pass and all the prophecies that were, you know, came to being and all that kind of stuff. I don't. 
But there is one thing that I believe was very significant, okay, that plays a vital role to what we see in Luke chapter 1, okay? During the 400 years of silence, one of the major events that took place was that the Roman Empire was able to build and carve out roads throughout the land. It was during that time that they came in and created the roads, the road system that they had, all right? You hear about the Roman road, okay? That was during those 400 years of silence. Well, pastor, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't care about that, you know? There's nothing spiritual about that. Well, yes, there is, okay? Why is that so significant? This is one piece of all of the things that took place during those 400 years of silence. One thing. Just the roads itself was one thing. Why is that so significant? Because those roads would later become the roads that allowed for the gospel to be carried to people groups in towns that otherwise would have never heard about the coming of the Messiah. It was those Roman roads that were carved out during the 400 years of silence that when the Messiah had come, people would run down those roads and say, prepare the way of the Lord. Those were the same roads that John the Baptist would walk down and journey on all of those years later and say that there is one coming that is greater than I. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God even used a corrupt people group, the Romans. He even used a corrupt godless Roman Empire to prepare the way of the king. Woo! Come on. He used them. He used their ability, their technology, their systems to help create roadways for the preparing of the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, it's silent in my life. God isn't doing anything in my life right now. What if God is building some roads? God is silent. He hasn't spoken to me. He hasn't shown me anything. What if he's building some roads right now? Because while he was silent to his people during the 400 years, he was preparing the road for the Messiah. And I want to tell you today that while things may seem silent in your life when it comes to God and your walk with him, and you say, well, nobody's spoken a prophetic word over me in 20 years. Okay, he's building some roads. Come on, somebody say amen. What if God is preparing for you some things that you have no idea will lead to? You have no idea what roads those are going to create and what paths they're going to create for you. And hear me, the roads that he's building for you will not disappoint you. They'll never disappoint you. Well, I don't understand why I'm going through this right now. It's a road. It's a road. And let him do the work to finish building out the road because at the end of the road, you're going to be happy about it. Come on, somebody. All right, so Number one, the process. Number two, the preparation. But number three is this, the purification. The purification. 
When God is silent, when there is a time of silence and things are quiet, there's a process that's being produced, there's preparation that's being produced and happening, but beyond all of that, there's a purification. Things are being purified. When things are silent, have you ever noticed your inner voice becomes louder? Have you ever been, you know, just right now, your voice, your inner voice could be speaking to you and it's, uh, it's got some volume to it. If the room absolutely goes silent, it's dark, maybe you're laying in your bed, your voice is the loudest thing you hear, right? It's the loudest thing that you hear. And it is then when we discover who we really are. It's in the moment of silence when our inner voice starts talking, when we discover who we really are. Who we really are. And watch this. Every time you begin to discover who you really are, you realize even more that you need a Savior. <laughs> I'm just going to lay here. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. God's like, really? Who you think you are? Right? I'm just, I'm just going to get away from everybody. I hate everybody. I'm going to go crawl up in my bed and get away from everybody. I don't want to hear another person's voice today. And you get into silence, and you start hearing your voice real loud. And God says, really, that's how you're thinking right now? Really, that's what you're doing? Really, you need me more than you even know, baby. And it's so true. It's so true. We need a Savior more than we even know. And when we're silent, and when things are silent, we realize how much of a need for the Savior we truly have. So hear me. Silence can actually become your best friend. I don't like silence. But it's in the times of silence where I've had to get my act together. <laughs> Come on, right? It's in the times of silence where I realize, well, maybe what I said, maybe what I thought, maybe what I, wasn't so good after all. Lord, forgive me, right? In the shower, when it's just you and you're by yourself and the water's hitting you and you're thinking about all kinds of stuff and you realize, oh, wow, I was an idiot for saying that. <laughs> right? Silence can quickly become your very best friend. It's when you sit in silence that you're reminded of how much you need God and need Him every day. It's in the moment of silence when you realize that I wouldn't even have my next breath if it wasn't for Him with me right now. I, I, I absolutely need Him every second, every breath. Every minute of my day, I need him. And silence will show you that. Silence will show you that you're not who you used to be. In moments of silence, you used to think about yourself one way, but now you don't. In moments of silence, your mind used to go certain paths and directions that were for destruction, but now... There's a righteousness that's come over your life and you don't think the way that you used to think anymore. Hallelujah. 
Silence will show you that you're not who you used to be, but you're still not who you're going to be. Silence will begin to tell you that, well, you've got to do this, and I need to step up in this way, and I need to become more like this, and I need to grow in this way, and I, you know, all of those things. Silence will teach you that. You could be standing in the shower and one week, and you feel like such a miserable failure because you made a wrong decision, but then when that looped back around and you had that choice laid before you again one week later, here you are in the shower in the midst of silence, and you're like, wow, I learned that last time, and look what I did differently this time. Silence teaches you. Silence is one of your greatest teachers. So you may be like me and not like silence. But maybe in moments of silence, that's when we need to say, God, what are you doing? God, what are you trying to show me? God, what do you need to speak to me? You're, you're at the house all by yourself. You've got nobody there. God, what is it? What is it? Silence will lead you to say, God, don't leave me like you found me. Don't leave me like you found me. And hear me. Some people in this room, and I'll say those that listen to this later on, Some people will try to live a loud life because you don't like who you really are when, they, when things are silent. So you try to fill your life with as much noise as possible, as much volume as possible, because you know that when things get silent, you don't like who you really are. There's nothing wrong with needing a reminder of how bad you need God. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting to a position and a place where you say, without you, I am nothing. Apart from you, I am nothing. Apart from you, I'm just the dirt on the ground that you formed me out of. Apart from you. Remember the word says that apart from him we truly are nothing. So silence becomes a purifying process that sometimes is necessary for our well-being. But it's also necessary for our future. That purification process that's taken place when things are silent is actually helping us in the right here, right now. It's actually helping us in what's to come next. God knows the struggles. God knows the situations, but he also knows the victories and all of those other things as well. Sometimes he's got to take you through a purification process in the midst of silence to prepare you for what's coming next. 
Good, bad, or indifferent. So could it be that God had to keep Zechariah's mouth silent because he needed him to understand the process? Could it be that he kept Zechariah's mouth silent because he needed him to go through some preparation? Could it be that he had to keep Zechariah's mouth silent because he needed to purify him just a bit more? Well, hold on. Wasn't he the priest that actually lit the flames on the altar? Yes, he was. But even the priests need to be purified sometimes. Even the priests go through purification. Zechariah was one who would do all of the works. All of the works. But Zechariah never had the time to just be silent and allow the Lord to do the work. So God had to get a hold of him. I know you're the one that goes and ignites the coals every single time. I know you're chosen to do that. I know you're chosen as a priest to do that. But for once in your life, Zechariah, will you just slow down and shut up and be quiet and be still so I can do a work in you. What you do is a representation of my work upon the earth for all of God's people. So you play a very important role. And you are the one that gives the people the answer for the year. You play a big role. But for once, Zachariah, will you just shut your mouth and sit back and allow me to do a work in you? Well, I thought this was about redemption season and I was going to get all excited and redeemed today. Yeah. But you know what? God would have never chosen them to send John into the earth if he didn't trust that what he had to do with Zechariah would be worth it in the end. So maybe your prayer today is, God, Make me a Zechariah. Put a silence on my mouth when, it, when there needs to be one. Put a stillness on my soul when there needs to be one. I want to work for you. I want to do this. I want to receive. I want to do all of these things. But God, make me a Zechariah because even... The priests have to sit and listen. Now, I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's for all of us. Maybe, maybe you need to practice some silence. Maybe you need to eliminate some noise. some distractions. Maybe you need to find yourself going into the secret place more often again. 
you know, when you first get saved and you get all excited and you get your alone time with God and you do this and you do that and all that. And then as years go by and years go by, that just changes and changes and it becomes less and less. Maybe your prayer of saying, God, make me a Zachariah is take me to the secret place again. Where it's just you and me. Nobody else. No one around. No voices. No opinions. It's just you and me, God. And I'll say this. Some of y'all actually need to do that for this next year. Some of you need a word for yourself for 2024. And it might not come when everybody's running around the house, getting ready, going crazy, and you're brushing your teeth. But it might come if you just silence your mouth. Silence the noise around you. Take this last week or so that we have of, of 2023 and God, what are you speaking to me for this next year? God, what do you want to show me for this next year? God, I am willing to sit in absolute silence until you speak to me. And he will. And the reward will be great. The reward will be worth it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think it was last weekend. Yeah, it was last weekend. Last Sunday. Maria took Maria took uh, Gia with her. She can be with her cousin Chloe and hang out for the afternoon before the Christmas party. And we had Gabriel's basketball game. And so we were on the way back from Gabriel's game. And I said, call your mom and see. See how Gia's doing. Because we miss her? Well, yeah. So I get on the phone. I, I, I end up calling. I get on the phone. What are y'all doing? Da, da, da. And the first thing Maria says was, you miss the noise? <laughs> we oftentimes miss some of the things that we need. Sometimes we need the noise. And sometimes we need the silence. Find the balance. Over these next couple weeks, find a rhythm. God, I, there's time for noise. But there's also some time for silence. I'm so used to my life being so busy and chaotic and and loud and noisy and this and that. My job is noisy. My house is noisy. My this is noisy. God, give me some space and opportunity. Show me how I can just be silent. So spend some time with you. And then just allow him to speak. Don't say nothing. Don't even pray. Just allow him to talk. Him to show you. You may feel like, well, he ain't doing nothing. Yes, he is. Remember, his silence is not his absence.